0: Coming up today on In the News, what's the deal with this Giving Tuesday? We also take a look at the termination of tip-taking. How does it actually work?
1: As well as I had the opportunity to sit down with a University of Regina professor to talk about Islamic culture and what has been happening since the Paris events. Thank you once again for joining us. I am Kayleigh Gellman, and across is Brady Knight as always... Let's dive right into it. We got a jam-packed episode today.
0: We do, we do, and we start with Giving Tuesday. So, Kaylee, we have (laughs) this uh, Black Friday that happens, and this has been a thing for years and years. And recently, there was, or relatively recently anyways, there was the introduction of Cyber Monday, and now there's Giving Tuesday.
1: Yes. For those of you that don't know, this all revolves around American Thanksgiving that happens at the end of November. Right. It starts with... Uh, well, I guess Thanksgiving is Thursday evening and then yep. Black Friday starts and it has made its way into Canada. I did some Black Friday shopping, not going to lie.
0: Know a lot of people that did.
1: Yeah, it was pretty disappointing. <laughs> it usually is up uh, north of the border. We haven't fully caught on to what the whole Black Friday means, which it means these. there's supposed to be these killer deals. It was okay. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Weekend continues, blah, 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 more Thanksgiving stuff. And then Cyber Monday comes and yeah, like Brady said, this is a new thing that started um, the past little bit and it's supposed to have killer deals on uh, on websites. I was disappointed. Whatever. Now, this new thing that's been introduced that started this year is this Giving Tuesday where this is a day dedicated to giving to charities after all the buying for Christmas, for yourself, whatever right. you're buying for. Now is the time to give to charities.
0: And we we were talking before we sat down here, and uh, you would be a Giving Tuesday skeptic at best.
1: I play the devil's advocate in this role. How so? Why do we need to designate one specific day out of the entire year for donating to charity? Why? Can't this happen all the time, whenever the time?
0: Okay, so I I was raised in a household where that was kind of the mentality is, and we didn't always have the means to donate, but when we did, and uh, you had the money and it was a good organization and a good charity that you wanted to give to, absolutely, we'd just send off a donation. didn't matter what time of year it was. It was just whenever it worked out best for us, and that was the kind of household that I was raised in. But there are a lot of people out there that maybe didn't have that same upbringing that sometimes you know need a little kick in the pants
1: and i i do understand that but for me what really bothers me about this is that we are now living in a society that every day has some some meaning to it you know black friday cyber monday and now this giving tuesday um boxing day after christmas like there's there's some kind of shopping ish day after these holidays these holidays are just turning into money spend more money throw away your money And i know you're not
0: if if you even just look at boxing day it's no longer that there's already boxing week sales on because hey we're doing our boxing week early because we don't want you to actually shop on boxing week but we do but we want you to shop more so we're just gonna make it's like boxing month
1: same with black friday the black friday deal started basically that monday well what's of having black friday but no like i i'm 100 behind donating to charities Number one, make sure these are uh, reputable charities and that of the course. money is actually going to where they're saying it's going and it's not going to hire up people. That's a big thing to focus on. There's a lot of scam charities out there. you got to be careful about that.
0: Do your research.
1: Exactly. My problem is is I don't want to see what I could see happening is, you know, when you go to like Sobeys or Safer or something and they ask... Um, you know could you want to donate to so and so and so and if um you know if i'm not flat out broke that month okay i'll yeah, throw in a couple bucks right. <laughs> like you said if you have the means to donate if you can you do it absolutely but i don't want to see happening that oh no it's not giving tuesday i'm not going to give right now i only give once a year and you're going like, to get off your high horse come on donate whenever you don't need to have a specific day to be donating to charity it should be going on all year round and this is what I have a problem about it we do not need one specific day for this
0: okay so speaking of all this giving uh, in Ontario this past week legislation finally coming to the forefront that would prevent employers from taking the tips of servers um, now This has been in the works for nearly five years. Uh, It's died at least once uh, when I believe there was a provincial election in Ontario. Uh, But basically what this prevents employers from doing is taking any of the money that is strictly tips from servers. Um, Now, Kaylee, you yourself have served for quite some time, correct?
1: Yeah, I've been a server now for three years at the same restaurant. Um, I've never worked in another restaurant before, and I want to do, disclosure, the restaurant that I work at is not going to be the same as what's happening in Ontario. Right. What happens with us is I I keep my tips no matter what, but I only keep a certain portion of it.
0: And this was the part that really surprised me because I've never worked in any kind of industry where tipping is a standard procedure y- you don't actually keep all of your tips no, for th- yourself don't. at all
1: and and surprisingly a number of people when i talk to um some customers that are interested in wondering what's going on how the tipping works or yeah. they ask well if i tip through the machine are you getting it or what happens right so here's what happens with with my restaurant that i work at sure um one percent of the total sales will go to the hostess the and the management that's working right three percent of the food sales will go to the kitchen Um, okay and then three percent of the drink sales will go to the bartender i think we figured it out it's probably like four percent i think of your overall sales um of your overall tips that are going to to someone else and then i keep whatever i make for the rest of it so that's something that people need to keep in mind, that when you are tipping, you're not just necessarily tipping the server, you are tipping everyone else that helped for your experience at the restaurant.
0: You think that that kind of comes in, if people knew that, would it come more into play when they were actually leaving tips? I was having a really good conversation with a friend the other week about tipping, and uh, we both had drastically different numbers. The average that I will tip, like if it's good, solid service that I think is completely on the mark, 20% is normally what I would do. Now, for him, that was just so high, and he was just like, really that much?
1: And what was his standard tip?
0: um, I think he said it varied, usually hovering around like the 10 to 12% mark.
1: Now, in in my shoes, and... Keep in mind, I, okay, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I am a server that I will work to impress you to make the money. I do, And I think I a don't lot of think, them do. Majority do. You do have the some, some servers out there that think that they deserve the tip no matter what. So if right. you're giving them a shitty tip, well, what kind of service did you give them?
0: Yeah. If
1: I'm getting a bad tip, I'm going through my head, okay, what did I do wrong that I got that tip? But if I'm getting a bad tip for no reason... That's when I have a problem here. 10% nowadays is not a good tip. 15% is your standard tip. 20% and above means you've gotten really good service. Yeah.
0: Um, no, absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things where if it's, if it's... And it doesn't even have to be outstanding for me. It's, it's just, you know, good, solid, what I would expect. I have absolutely no problem giving that. But I think there's just this overall mindset out there that people are either unsure or they just really don't know so they're just making their best guess as to what it should be
1: and but really though who are we to tell you how much to tip because it all comes down are you happy with your experience or not me as a server i've had some pretty bad experiences just because i'm a server doesn't mean i'm going to give you a good tip though i have not tipped someone because they gave me awful service. And I've had people going like, well, why would you do that? You're a server. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. No. You give me horrible service. You don't deserve that money. You impress me, you will get good money from me because I know what happens. I know how this is like. And another thing that I have a problem with about the overall, um, the tipping out part of it is these tips are guaranteed whereas my tip isn't.
0: Right. So you've got this variable amount that will come in based on the subjective opinion of somebody who's come in and sat down, may not be in a good mood, may have been having a bad day. Yeah. Whatever. But you still have to give up a certain percentage and those people who are working in other areas like the bar or the kitchen are guaranteed that additional income. No
1: matter what. No matter how bad of a day or how good of a day they are having, they're guaranteed a portion of the money that I am making. And that's where I'm a little bit I get get a little frustrated because I've had times where the kitchen hasn't been the greatest. They just had a bad day and it happens to everyone. But it reflects bad on me because I'm the messenger for all of this.
0: You're the face of the restaurant.
1: Yeah, for that customer that I'm serving, exactly. So when that customer comes in and their food is wrong and I go and talk to them or my manager goes and talk to them and sorry, like, Says you know sorry there is a screw up in the kitchen you can emphasize that it was the kitchen problem not the server problem right lots of times it'll still dictate my tip but then I'm still giving the same amount to the kitchen for you basically screwing over this um, this customer right that's a bit of an issue but at the same time when you look at it in a larger picture at the end of the night. I'm walking out with more money than that kitchen guy is so at the same time I'm trying to balance it where you know one or two customers are mad so they're not going to tip me as much which then means I'm not making as much because I'm giving some to the kitchen but I'm still walking out with more money than the kitchen probably is
0: It's been almost a month now since the terrorist attacks in Paris and ever since then both right here in Saskatchewan across the country and even around the world and probably most prominently on social media there's been this rather discouraging to see discourse towards uh, people of the Islamic faith and in the Islamic community and uh, earlier this week Kaylee had the chance to sit down with a professor of religious studies at the University of Regina. Andrew Lon specializes in Islam, and he sat down to talk about the repercussions of this discourse towards the Muslim community.
1: So thank you very much, um, Andrew, for joining me this afternoon. I first want to get your thoughts about the Paris attack that happened. It's been close to a month ago now.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of thoughts on it, especially over the past month. Um, I guess my initial reaction is not unlike most people in Canadian society. You hear this on the, on the radio or on TV and uh, immediately you're you know, worried. Your heart, heart goes out to the people who are involved um, with any of these major events. I mean, just because of my background and being so close with the Muslim community and having many friends in that community... Um, it's kind of a natural reaction for me now when I hear that something bad has happened to so just hope to goodness that uh, Muslims aren't involved because I know what the backlash is going to be uh, and that it's going to be quite an unfair backlash for, for the vast majority of people of, of that community. Um, so in terms of, uh, you know, my emotional reaction, it's, you know, quite similar to, to you know, the average person. Um, very quickly after, after I'd heard about this event and when it started to become clear what types of people were involved, um, uh, I immediately started to, you know, worry about the backlash, uh, in terms of social media and public discourse. What, uh, against, um, yeah. what
1: kind of backlash are you, uh, are you thinking about?
2: Particularly, uh, I'm, I'm thinking in the vein of, you know, Islamophobic comments in popular discourse, um, you know, so backlash against Canadian Muslims uh, as it materialized, uh, you know, in terms of uh, some of those more high profile events, you know, women getting you know pushed outside of their their kids' schools, or there was the mosque in Peterborough that was that was a uh, victim of, of arson, um, and also start to worry about policy. Uh, government policy about political discourses um, in terms of you know maybe a reaction or an overreaction to to these events uh, that could have a you know a negative impact on the the Canadian Muslim population
1: so you kind of um, talked a bit about the the mosque that um, um, that was under arson Mm -hmm. um, back home what other uh, implications can come from from this attack back in in Canada United States and North America where there is this Islamophobia that seems to be growing?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, I I definitely think that it is growing. Uh, I mean, you see it in the most high-profile of ways, uh, in particularly in the American context, in terms of the political discourses and many of the candidates for the Republican Party. This is at a very official level. You're hearing some uh, some pretty nasty things being said about a huge segment of the population because of the actions of a few. Um, but you're also, yeah, we had our, our nastiness here in Canada as well. You have the, that, that firebombing and uh, a few uh, other high profile, uh, incidents of, you know, what I would hope would be kind of very un-Canadian, uh, behavior. Um, and so in terms of, uh, you know, the bigger impact of that, my, my fear and what, what kind of sickens me about it is that you're, <sighs> Because, and usually, I mean, these these sorts of mentalities are rooted in, in ignorance. Um, but the result, I can't help but think that the result is that this community of North American Muslims, I mean, they're just becoming further and further alienated from the rest of the population. This is a group that is already you know, dealing with, you know, pretty unique issues of of integration and uh, belonging in Canada. Um, And uh, I think uh, rightly so, a community that has felt alienated for for a good many years. Um, And then uh, episodes like this in 2015, you know, it's just contributing to this this growing, you know, chasm or chasm between the Muslim population and the non-Muslim population or this growing alienation.
1: But... Um, Why would this be continuing? You know, like in 2015, when everyone has access to so much education on the internet through university, Um, with anything really, you can you can find information about all of this. Sure. Why is this alienation happening, and why is this phobia phobia still growing?
2: Still growing, yeah. I mean, I guess your guess is as good as mine. Um, Yeah, people. I mean, let's face it. I mean, there are a lot of high profile acts of violence that do involve Muslims. Now, as a percentage of the entire Muslim population, that is, it's it's just a fraction of of the population who are engaged in these sorts of things. But unfortunately, I mean, you turn on the news, every few months there is a, you know, there is an episode of, of, you know, one way or another uh, involving Muslims. And so uh, I don't think it's right. But, I mean, perhaps, you know, the average Canadian is forgiven for, um, you know, slipping into into this nastiness uh, when events like this do, do happen. Mm-hmm. In terms of there being information out there, I mean you know, let's face it, I mean, not, you know, yeah, sure. I mean, we're, you know, we're involved in, in academia where, you know, we have access to, you know, pretty high level discussions and uh, scholarship on these, on these issues. I mean, but your, your average person, I can't imagine is, is going out there and, you know, if they're doing any reading on Islam, um, you know, it's probably in the form of, of, you know, popular news articles and this sort of thing. They're not, chances are, reading Frederick Denny or John Esposito or, you know, well, these scholars to, on Islam.
1: Yeah, you know, history too, media hasn't always properly portrayed exactly. um, Islam and Muslim culture to and begin with. And
2: then the other issue there too is that you know, these are big issues, right? They, you know, these aren't you know, questions that have very simple, you know, sentence-long answers. I mean, you bring up history. I mean, I mean, Islam has been around for 1,400 years. It's the religion of 1.6 billion people. It is very big. It is very broad. It is very diverse. Um, and so, yeah, there is, you know, information out there. Um, but, I mean, the fact of it is, is that, you know, there are Muslims who do bad things. There are you know, they're the, the, the minority, but, but that's a part of Islam as well. Um it just happens to be the one that uh you know the the media and and certainly popular discourse focuses on more so than anything else.
1: do you see some other misunderstandings throughout your uh your teachings of of Islam and just your um of observing past events?
2: yeah, I mean, I don't know about misunderstandings I mean the problem in the context of of these sorts of discussions when, you know, high profile acts of violence happen and then there's the inevitable backlash, I mean, it's not so much misinformation, it's an issue of focusing on the bad and only focusing on the bad. And so, you know, when something bad happens, you have a, you know, we did a reading, uh, you know, in class uh, yesterday in our religion and science class by, by a guy, Sam Harris. Um, and he's made a pretty good career out of, you know, cherry picking all of these bad things in the Quran, the sacred text of Islam. And and that's what you start, what I see, you know, at, at the more popular level after, after instances like this, is it's not necessarily... You know, misunderstandings but it's focusing exclusively on the bad stuff every religion every culture has their you know their their bad parts um, but it's you know it's this it's this cherry-picking of, of the bad parts and blowing that up and portraying it as central to the faith when for most people for your average Muslim Canadian um, you know those few passages that condone violence say in the Quran that isn't, you know, a central guiding principle in their lives. It's the other, you know, vast majority of that text that they're using, uh, you know, as as a guide or as you know, comfort or you know, as, as something to, to live their lives mm-hmm.
1: by. So knowing this, then, what um, what can be done to to fix this? Yeah. What can be done to lower yeah, this really phobia? Really good question, right?
2: <laughs> um, million dollar question. I think it. I mean, when when Paris happened. We had an abrupt spike in this Islamophobic discourse. If you were mm-hmm. on Facebook that weekend or the the week following, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, if you're just out talking to people, uh, there was a lot of nastiness floating around. It was pretty disgusting was to was, be on Facebook was, and Instagram. It was disgusting, everything. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but has it gotten a little better since then? It seems as though it's. You know, it's unfortunate, and I hope that it becomes less and less over, you know, the the coming years, the coming decades. Um, But, you know, it's a short blip of this really, you know, nasty kind of disgusting discourse, Mm -hmm. followed by, you know, people, you know, kind of chilling out and, you know, regaining their senses. Um, In terms of, of fixing it, though, or, you know, solving the problem, I mean, it's, it's up to each individual, I guess. And, you know, I, I suppose that's something that just takes time, right? Uh, you know, it's just over the generations. Um, I've always been a pretty firm believer that it's really hard to cling to problematic stereotypes once you get to know actual people who belong to whatever group you're, you're stereotyping. Um, You know, it's easy to read Sam Harris or, uh, you know, listen to Fox News and believe that all Muslims are, (laughs) are, you know, agents of Satan if you've never met a Muslim before. If you're living in some small town, Saskatchewan, and, you know, chances are you've never talked to a Muslim before, it's a lot easier to cling to those problematic views then if you are a student at the University of Regina, for example, where we have a huge Muslim population and if you're actually having conversations, you actually, you know, if, if some of your colleagues, your friends, your neighbors are Muslims, well, then it gets a lot harder to cling to those to those stereotypes,
1: which is very true. You know, you...
2: it's true of any group. of Yeah, anything, really. you mentioned
1: the point of like with being being here, we have a very high Muslim mm-hmm. um, population at the U of R here, which yeah. is great to see. Never once, like I've never feared coming to school of here. Not. Like, no, not at all. It no. Just never crossed my mind. Yeah. And and that's
2: the other thing, right? Um, that that and that will only improve, right? As I mean. <laughs> we live in Saskatchewan, right? And and actually the university seems to be, well in Regina too, Regina and Saskatoon are becoming, you know, have become quite diverse in, in quite a short period of time. But I mean, we're still probably, you know, I would say the most homogenous place in the country, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, I think it's easier to cling to those sorts of views in a place like this where you're just, you don't have those opportunities to, to talk to people and to break down those, those stereotypes. You know, you talk to, you know, any Muslim student at this university or in this city, and they're going to tell you that they are just as disgusted by these things happening in Paris or, or now uh, Los Angeles or San Bernardino. You know, they're just as disgusted as you or I or anyone else in any non-Muslim in our, our society. Probably more just as disgusted and and even more hurt mm-hmm. and offended by it because it's something that they find absolutely abhorrent that is being done supposedly in their in their name.
1: After all this um, that's been said, uh, especially in light of the attacks in Paris, you know, you mentioned the attack that happened a couple days ago in California, especially during a time right now with the Syrian refugee crisis. We're trying to bring people into Canada. There's a lot of people that are against this. Um, What could be one main point that you would want to drive home?
2: Yeah, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I think, I mean, you just... I mean. These these acts of violence do happen. They do happen periodically, uh, and they are indeed perpetrated by people, uh, you know, of of Muslim backgrounds. But, I mean, the one thing that we always have to keep in mind is that these these acts of of violence are... um, are the actions of a very very small minority of the population I mean we have something like a million Muslims living in this country and other than one or two minor incidents uh, you know we have you know almost no sorts of no no sorts of problems uh, you know in terms of, of violence being perpetrated by Muslims and so it is a very very small minority of the population who would engage in those sorts of acts um, and the other thing then to keep in mind is you know so. Ninety nine point five percent of this population, you know, they're they're good people. They, you know, they're they're going about their lives just like just like the rest of us. And important, I think, not to contribute to the growing, you know, or contribute to the alienation of that ninety nine point five percent. The best way out of this situation is to is to embrace that community. Is to you know. Uh, you know, converse uh, Muslims and non, non-Muslims, non um, you know, and, and so that, you know, we're all on the same page and that we're not going to contribute to this situation where uh, Muslims feel more and more alienated or more and more marginalized. Um, you know, that, that's probably, you know, uh, that's not only, you know, the right thing to do, but it's, it's the pragmatic thing to do.
1: All right. So unfortunately, we do have to wrap it up. Thank you very much for your time um, and your insight about this issue. Um, I'm sure we'll probably have you on again to talk more about this. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks for having me.
0: Already time for hot or not Kaylee this week. Who is hot?
1: Okay. My hot ties into uh, our giving Tuesday discussion at the start of the episode. Okay. Those who do not have to rely on a giving to, say, (laughs) to donate. All the people who, if you have the means to do it and you are giving to reputable charities, you're doing your research, like we said, you're um, going to these reputable charities, good for you. We need more people like you. And those
0: who are not so hot.
1: There's this new thing I found. I think it was on Facebook. People young people are posting pictures of their face of themselves holding up a sign that says roast me and it's been going on reddit and people are roasting these kids and it's awful the things they are saying about these kids are brutal i read some about even have like going killing yourselves this is borderline that's ridiculous bullying and harassment and this is why i don't get it What's the point? I, I, I don't know. I don't want to put up a picture saying roast me and see what people are going to say. It would hurt my feelings. I would cry. That's awful. What is wrong with you people?
0: People leaving themselves at the mercy of the internet.
1: Oh, it's disgusting. Get off of it. Go outside and play.
0: Speaking of people <laughs> not so hot this week, FIFA, FIFA, It's always FIFA. FIFA. More top officials arrested. Uh overseas this week and really just can it get any worse i it probably i was can. Gonna say and it after prob- this it's probably going it, to and it probably will but it's just so disappointing to see the organization that oversees the professional uh field of this great sport that and i know it's not as prevalent in canada but around the world it's the sport it's like the hockey of the rest of the world
1: oh basically and
0: millions of kids grow up playing soccer and and look up to these heroes who play on the field and the management of this organization has just it is just so sad to see such a great sport enjoyed by so many people managed by so many who are corrupt and whose ethics are practically non-existent and it's just really really disappointing to see On the flip side, though, props this week to the New York Times, who on Saturday, for the first time in 95 years since 1920, put an editorial on the first page of the newspaper. which
1: pretty big news.
0: It almost never happens, as evidenced by the 95 years in between uh, times that this has happened. Uh, It's a fairly short one, but it is basically calling for greater gun regulation, of course, in the wake of a, all the mass shootings that have been taking place
1: debate in the united states for multiple years is gun, regist- gun uh, legislation
0: and i think it really says something when basically the newspaper of record for the united states and pretty much north america as well in a lot of ways um to have the, a newspaper of that caliber go on record and say this is something we need to do something about now. It's gotten Mm -hmm. way past the point of ridiculous. It is a complete and utter tragedy every time this happens. We need to take action and do something uh, material now to curb it in some way, shape, or form. So props to the New York York Times for taking a stance and uh, putting it at the forefront of their paper.
1: Well, that brings episode six to a wrap. I want to say thank you to everyone that's been listening today, as well as a shout out to Andrew Lawn for doing that interview. He had some really good words um, to talk about with a, a very serious issue. I wish I could have had longer to sit down with, with him.
0: No, absolutely. And really important issue and just he articulated it so well that you just need to and I think the thing that stuck with me was just the conversation that needs to happen and so big shout out to him for sitting down and doing that we really appreciate it and um, speaking of that he was our our very first guest on the podcast
1: it was great which
0: was awesome and uh, we're hoping to do more of that in the new year and I guess speaking of that, this is kind of it for us for 2015.
1: It really is. We are getting into final season for both uh, myself and Brady at the end of the university. That's going to be so much fun.
0: Always so much fun.
1: Wish us luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As well as jumping into Christmas season, we'll be going visiting family and stuff. So we're calling it quits uh, for the rest of the year, but we will be back in January. Continuing on with the season.
0: It will be awesome. In the meantime, you can always follow along online. In the news, yqr.blogspot.ca. We're on Facebook, and we are now
1: on Twitter. Yeah, we have created our own In the News Twitter account. Follow it at In the News YQR.
0: That is correct. <laughs> no, give us a follow. We'll follow you back. And uh, as always, would love to hear what you have to say.
1: Thank you, everyone. Have yourself a good new year.